Hello again to everyone listening. We are firing up the podcast again as we begin to head into spring. Exciting times we live in for more than one reason, right? Right, yeah, you may be wondering what excitement I'm referring to. On the dark side of excitement, there has been riots, pandemic, fires in the West, and noise. Noise, 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 and more noise. Opinions are being pushed everywhere at everyone. And after a while, it just starts seeming pretty noisy. Anyway, the hope is, is that as through all this noise that and vibrations that are not contributing to knowledge is that we can come up with, through agronomy moment in your, in your farming anyway, on the farm, hopefully, come up with some ideas and thoughts and information that is timely to you at the right time that can help you move forward with your crops in agronomy and many other topics that pertain to agriculture. Anyway, on the bright side, we have a lot of excitement. It relates to, you know, hot commodity markets, technology in the ag world that is continuing to advance, and opportunities of many kinds are available as we look at the needs and wants of the modern consumer of food. We want to make sure we're positioned in the right place that if some of these latest fads become reality or more common that we know what's going on. So the purpose of this podcast and what we produce here is to focus on doing just those things, is being in a position in a proper way. I'm your host, Wendell Cohen. Season 1, Episode 1, let's get started. Almost one year ago, we launched a pilot program called Agronomy Moment. We did it for three reasons, and this is what I outlined last April 2020. Number one, it should speed up the update's release. Information sooner in your hands gives you more time to make decisions. Number two, often the time you probably have on your hands is when you're sitting operating equipment, like a tractor or a vehicle. This way, you can keep your eyes on the row or road and listen to us versus waiting for a time to pause and read a written article. Number three, the human voice is probably the most powerful sound in the world as it can convey exactly what we mean. The written page struggles with that even when using illustrations and punctuation. Often what I heard from a professional and what he said conveys understanding to me, but when attempting to report it in writing, it becomes difficult to transcribe. That was back on April the 13th. Has Agronomy Moment fulfilled those objectives? From our viewpoint, yes it did. Engaging by the feedback I've received from you, our cheerful listeners, it did for you as well. Our goal is to be as brief as possible, interesting, and above all, informative. We continue to value your input and ask that you give us a review. As mentioned before, this will be season one, as last year was a pilot program, and also the number one lines up quite well with 2021. So today we have uh, a guest back here on our podcast show, um, Scott Dickey. He's been a familiar guest here last year in 2020 and have been privileged to have him here at different times. Scott, for those of you who have not met him or don't know him that well, I'll introduce you. He has over 20 years, Scott Dickey has over 20 years of uh, experience in the agronomy world. He has a master's in agronomy with an emphasis on weed science and biology from the University of Missouri. He lives here in, was it central Missouri? Odessa, Missouri. Odessa, Missouri, um, with his wife, Cheryl. He has two kids, uh, Mark, who's now in the Naval Academy in Annapolis, Maryland. 
He started somewhere around June 2018. He has a daughter, Caitlin, who's in school um, as of last August 2020. Yep. Bethany Global and uh, college there in Bloomington, Minnesota. Yes, sir. And him and his family there, as I mentioned before, or he mentioned, is in from Odessa. And Scott has been with us here at Beck's um, since uh, June. July of 2019. 2019, yep. And so... Anyway, at different times, he's been good enough to come on this show and help out here with timely information. Uh, a lot of you know who he is. For those of you who don't, um, you've been introduced. He is here um, helping us this coming year as well. And so with that, we'll uh, start diving into our topics here um, today. Um, let's see here. I think I was going to kind of start out here, Scott, with our 2020 review before we get started sure. with our new year. And what a year, right? Yeah. I mean, we started out wet down here. It's been that way for a lot of years now, it feels like. That's right. It seems like our last really dry spring for planting in the majority of the area I cover was 2014. And, and it seems like our battle has been the, the wet. And that's one thing I was thinking about from a personal perspective and looking back was a lot of um, emphasis seemed to show up in our yield maps from the planting conditions. Sure where I seen a planter that was able to put it in and fairly, even if it was marginal, it was still reasonable conditions. Um, you notice the yield improvement in the fall, I noticed. And then when we went to fields and analyzed data that had went where the planter was wet and you had the compaction issues and it was really, it was questionable for myself and I was out there to be there. We noticed that showing up in a yield map and it wasn't the dry areas that you would say is historically dry areas of the field that showed up. It was wet areas right. that showed up even though it was a drought in the in the summer but it looked like it was the planter the planting conditions that caused the majority of the issue well what's interesting when i look back to 2020 is we'd come out of a year 2019 that was extremely wet planting yes. guys had lots of difficulty so we got into 2020 and i felt like in some cases we pushed things Yes. Uh, even though the conditions were better in 20, we pushed to try to not run into the same types of problems we ran Absolutely. in 19. And, yes. and that was very evident walking fields, seeing some of the sidewall compaction, uh, the bricks that were formed by the gauge wheels on planters yes. right along the seed furrows. And that, I think, is what you were seeing in the end with the yield data is some of those conditions where we pushed. We have planters now with some of these attachments that allow us to do things that um, 10, 15, yes. 20 years ago we might not have done. And we're getting uh, away with it to some extent, and that's hurting in some cases. Yeah, and it seems like, um, again, is it? Yeah, my my goal, I guess, is I'm going to have one for myself personally. Is that in 2021? Is I'm going to be a little more careful and and try to balance this? Or, I mean, last year probably it was an exception, but last year it really I seen guys that planted later, and the yields were good. We had the rains later in July, and it was conducive for a better year, and they had the best conditions. Or better conditions than what I'm talking about where I was at. Because it did vary across the geography. Oh, for sure. It, what's interesting is if you look back at, uh, if you look at some of the hybrids you have now in varieties, for example, especially on the corn side, the toughest, yes. we're able to get away with a few things that five, ten years ago we probably couldn't have gotten away, away with in terms of planting late. Yep. And so, you know, all the data would suggest in corn particularly that we plant early to maximize our yields. But if we plant early enough in conditions that are poor enough that it hurts our stands, hurts the overall vigor of the plants, we're taking the yield off right there. So in some cases, we may be better to wait till the conditions are more ideal. Yes. And let the toughness that we have with these hybrids now support us through potential dry periods nearer pollination. You know, obviously there's a happy medium we have to hit, but 
keeping all that in consideration whenever you're making your decisions on whether to be in the field, I think is things that we're trying to learn from what we've seen the last couple of years with some really yes. wet conditions in spring. And earlier you had mentioned, um, I don't know if it was a week or several weeks ago or whatever. I know we were discussing some of this. I know you mentioned though is historically though, it's we're, we're not taking away the value of early a corn planted in timely. Like right. it's not that I can just be in my house and be, well, I can get it in June if I don't exactly. get it now. But but I think last year, my thing is, is my temperament was I was so pushy. I, we had to go, go, and, and I was out there. And it, it, I'll just say is that there was mud underneath. Exactly. It, was, it was a nice fluff on top, but I didn't pull back enough until I started planting. I was like, I, then I got out, started looking at it a little deeper. It looked nice on the surface. I got out and looked, and I was like, I shouldn't be here, but the field's kind of like three-quarters or half, or maybe even half or whatever planted. It's right. like, do I leave it? No, I don't. I'm, it's beautiful weather. <laughs> and so... I think having a hand trowel with you yes. in your truck when you're deciding to yeah. plant would be a good yeah. thing instead of scratching the surface. Dig yeah. down two or three inches and see what the actual seed zone looks like. Yes. And because when I would walk some fields last year, you could tell, you know, yeah, the conditions may have seemed fine. There was dust coming behind the planter. Yes. But that was from surface. And yes. you could tell from uh, some of the uh, densities of the soil near the seed furrow that it was plenty heavy when we were planting. Yes. And like I said, our equipment allows us to do that. But still, the corn has to have a place for the roots to grow. And I don't know how many tomahawked roots I looked at last year in yep. fields that had been considered fairly reasonable conditions at planting. But you can tell that it wasn't ideal. Yeah, and I, I think that underscores this last year, underscored that more in an, emphasis, an emphatic way in, in years past. You know, sometimes maybe it was there, weren't sure. But this year, it, it absolutely, you could tell. I, I could on some mm -hmm. field maps I looked at. So it, it was probably a, it was more of a an information that, you were able to see with your visual eye um, more than in the past. And I think it'd be bad for us to try to indicate that there's a perfect time to plant. There's never going to be a perfect time to plant <laughs> right. on any given year. But if we can get as close to as good a conditions as possible for the given year yes. we're dealing with, will only be a benefit for us. Well, yeah, absolutely. Because if you want to wait till the leaves on the hedge trees are this size and the soil temperature is just right and everything right. and the ground has just worked and everything is just perfect, Unfortunately, in Missouri, in real life, I don't think we'd ever plant. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's just the way it is. So, anyway, um, and then you were, you brought up some of the th parts about our um, planter. Uh, well, like we get by with more today, maybe with our equipment. You know, sometimes we we can have a little more uh, control of our downforce and things like that. What planter attachments are you seeing that have a positive ROI? Like we've talked about this in PFR some, but just kind of just highlight some honorable mentions. Well, well it's interesting when we look at. PFR data from over years now, now that I've been on a couple of years, continue to hear messages about, especially closing wheels. And when I think of the type of conditions we plant in in Missouri with the extreme conditions we have, differences in uh, residue coverage, whether no-till or tillage yes. or minimum till, those closing wheels are a very big tool for us. And when we look at the benefit of a closing wheel or a, a, a aftermarket closing wheel compared to what comes standard, the two rubber wheels on a planter, all of our data continues to indicate that the aftermarket planter attachments, the closing wheels are a benefit and do provide ROI. And one in particular that seems to really stand out or has stood out in the last couple of years anyway, and when you consider its uh, number of acres required to pay off the purchase of the equipment is the Utter Poly Twister. And I hate to just pigeonhole one product because all of them have shown very good performance, but that one is one that 
for me in the couple yep. years I've been here has stood out and um, been in some fields following the planter and looking at what it does to the, I, mean, I think the bottom line is with these closing wheels is to provide us a better seed to soil contact, a better condition for that seed to germinate and get its start. And all of these aftermarket closing wheels have done a very outstanding mm -hmm. job. The but ones it, that we've evaluated. But, but to push back just a little bit on that though, is, is do you think that, what about like, even like in, are you, we seeing this even in like heavy residue? I, I mean, you know, that's some of the questions I've had and I've had questions given to me is the Yetter poly twister. It's poly. It's lighter. Does it, is it able to penetrate some of the heavy residue or do you still need something like some people are, we've had cast iron in the past. And right. I, I know there's some of that around to get that extra force to push through the no-till condition or. I, I, I mean, I guess if a guy's concerned about that, they have iron versions of the yes. twister, Okay, you know, the other yep. twister. So, I mean, there, there's other options. And I think if a person wants to get into the a discussion on what would be ideal for their particular situation, we could probably have that discussion. It could be more customized, but right. in general, these have shown over the wide variety say, of conditions. High level yep. look, all of them have worked well. And in our data, you know, in our research data, some of them have shown a higher return on investment yes. than others, even though they all are providing a pretty nice return on investment. But yes, yep. you could get into specifics where one version yep. versus another and, may. And Yetter, Yetter, like you mentioned, does provide the cast iron version of this same twister. Right. It's just not the poly version. Exactly. And so there's more weight. So anyway, uh, very interesting. Um, what about as we look into pre-plant? We are how far away from planting by now? I mean, oh, man. some of my area will have planting going on in three weeks from today. Yep. And, know, and in Southeast Kansas. Crop insurance will allow you to do an early bird special, at least in the past, in March 15. <laughs> so we're on the 24th of February. The snow's now, well, the few piles are left, but we're just close to being gone. And it's crazy. We were yesterday almost 80 degrees warmer. Yes. From one week ago. Exactly. And <laughs> it's like on the weekend, we were snow covered, and yep. now we're basically. Yeah, 60s. Yeah. yeah. So what are some things to be looking at? I was thinking, or just right offhand, you'd been, um, you might mention what about um, seed and herbicide? Well, well, I think, you know, planting and uh, field operations are going to sneak up on us. They always do. Um, maybe not for the growers, but for me yep. it does. It's just like, oh, wow, we're here. It's time. But making sure that we have a plan in place. You know, as far as products go on the seed side, making sure that you – have a good understanding of the products you have purchased and where their best fit is. Because if we have a package of products built for you, we tend to have a plan in place where we think they're going to perform the best for you. So make sure you've had that discussion that you're planting yes. the hybrids where they should be to see them perform at their best. Um, you know, fertility. You know, do you have all your fertility plans in place where you're going to get everything? Are you planning to side dress that type of thing? It's better to have that plan in your head now than to wait till a day or two before you're ready to yes. do it. Another one to me that is even more key, especially that's been brought to our attention just in this last week, is um, thinking about on your herbicide program, which hopefully a lot of those have been purchased already and we're ready to go, but keeping in mind the importance of utilizing multiple modes of action with a residual prior yes. to planting. Um, you know, Because we've talked for years how we haven't seen resistance to Liberty yet. Well, last week they found resistant yes. water hemp in Kentucky uh, with Liberty. Yes. So that's one of our last remaining tools that, has worked very effectively for us. We need to make sure that we in the ag industry are doing our best to protect those technologies so that they're available to us to kill some of these very difficult to kill weeds. Yep. And so I think making sure no matter what the topic you're talking about, just having a plan in place and be ready 
and be aware that I, you know, been reaching out to the suppliers down there, uh, like first fertilizer, UAN, and I don't, I think, I'm not sure where anhydrous is at, but because of that winter storm through Texas and stuff, um, they're telling me they're, I think it's because of that they're shut down. Like their UAN's not even available right now. It can't even be priced because they're not even in action. Those no, their no plants are putting it out. So, I mean, I'm sure we're going to be coming back online very quickly, but be aware of logistics and supply and making sure you're, I'm thinking about that down the road of when things happen, because it's probably going to happen pretty fast, as wet as we are, and when we turn dry. Yep. So, um, good point. Let's jump into agronomy test this coming upcoming year. Um, so, last year we had, like we mentioned, I don't know if we mentioned it actually today or not, but as you many of you know, we had um, some on-site here at the warehouse. Uh, we had different projects going on. I hate to call it testing or research because it's not official. And But we did different things that were very interesting. You know, things don't have to be official to make them <laughs> effective and knowledge-gaining for us. Absolutely. So that's what's great about it. But we didn't publish any results or, or follow certain criteria or anything <laughs> and, and consult with professionals. But it was fun and it was very hey, interesting and, and it worked and it worked. It worked very well. We learned some things. And um, anyway, going forward to the future, just kind of to call it something. I struggled last year to always know what I was talking about. But it's coming here. I come up with a little jingle. We might call it an acronym called uh, the agronomy project and so it can include many different things we'll call it tap and it'll be this what's going on here at the warehouse for right now and there's going to be different things going on and so to recap 2020 we did some things um last year um one of the things we did was closing wheel down pressure where we lifted the closing wheels up we didn't even close the trench all the way to maximum downforce personally i feel like the main thing we learned in that was very minimal but what we did kind of learn was if you're in a little doubt you're better to buckle the sidewall with a little more pressure than to not enough not actually close it entirely that seemed to be a little better we're going to let that one go because it seemed like we kind of learned we, we basically confirmed what everyone else has already told us and so we're going to move on from that one. The other thing, though, that we are going to repeat that we did last year was the planting depth. And Scott, can you tell me a little bit about what we did then and what we're going to do this coming year on depths? And well, we ranged last year from depths that almost land the seed surface. on the surface to I think we went to three inches. That's right, or as deep as we could get it to go on that particular uh, day we were planting. And it was interesting to look at some of that. You know, our goal is is hopefully we'll have some weather event that allows us to show the differentiation that we see in fields with planting depth. Yes. You know, ideally, we like to see two inches, and we want to be able to try to show why that's important. And I think we're going to repeat that this year and just, just see, what, see what we can come up with. And make, yeah, make sure that, you know, it would be very interesting to see if at a half an inch or something we could see some fallow corn roots or, or well, no, not fallow, uh, rootless shout, corn. Yeah, rootless corn. Rootless corn, yep. And see a wind maybe kind of tweak exactly. with it. And yeah, we don't kind of, want to win broad spectrum. No, no, no. Maybe I'm, I'm careful. Strip I'm, right in this plot. That's why I said maybe a win. <laughs> not a not a gust or anything. <laughs> and and then what do we have else do we have uh, that we did last year? Is there uh, anything else? We did the hail simulation, and we tried to simulate some uh, snap by breaking parts of the plant out um, to simulate how the plants recover, especially in a late-season snap event. I think we're going to skip that one again this year as well. Yes. Um, it was interesting to look at that and be able to see how ear size varied based on where the plant was broken off or where we removed yes. leaf tissue from. Yes. But again, not sure what all we gained in terms of application yeah, for growers for in the real field. life and, right. and so on. It's kind of more of an aha, that's kind of neat yeah. type thing. Absolutely. So, but the hail, 
I think we're going to try. Yeah, we're going to repeat the hail simulation, I believe, yep, correct? If possible. Yeah. yeah. We, so we what we did done. last year is we allowed the corn to get to different growth stages and used uh, weed eaters and, and uh, yep. tried to simulate shearing and plants off. And I thought that was very interesting. Um, and we're going to repeat that one again this year. Yep. And now let's talk a little bit too. I'm really excited about too some newer some newer thoughts we've had for 2021. Um, what do we have going on there? Well, one of them I think is going to be really interesting is corn and soybean population studies. Yes, we're going to put out. We're going to range populations in corn from 20,000 to 40,000 with two different hybrids: one a flex hybrid and one a fixed ear hybrid, to just demonstrate the impact of plant density to both yep. ear. Uh, development, ear size, stalk. and plant morphology. You know, yep. you get differences in stalk diameter, um, plant height, and same with soybeans. You know, our data and PFR continues to indicate that 100,000 seed um, per acre is the ideal drop yes. um, for return on investment. We all know that in the conditions we plant in Missouri, that's in most cases too low for just general planting. Correct. So we're going to range our populations in this demo from 70,000 to 170,000. Uh, to show the difference in plant height, stalk diameter, excuse me, stem diameters yes. again, and the impact to uh, potting of those plants, yep. uh, just to kind of demonstrate it. We've done those types of demonstrations that our Bechnology days show out in Atlanta, as well as some of our PFR locations in other states. And it's very interesting to look at how, especially soybean, responds to plant density. And yes. we want to be able to show you guys that here locally and uh, kind of give you some indications of what happens to these plants when we do that. Sure. And then... And then on that, on after the population, we're also going to do a, um, what else are we doing? Planter downforce. Downforce. Um, we're going to, instead of looking at closing wheel adjustments, we're going to focus on the actual planter downforce going from basically floating the planter to yep. as maximum downforce that we can come up with and to try to simulate some of the situations we run into. You know, for one thing, you can drive five feet in a field here in Missouri and have a dramatic change in soil type. And so that makes it a little difficult for us to yes. get the perfect downforce on our planter but be able to demonstrate what happens when we're off one way yes. or the other a little bit you know maybe to, demonstrate some of the brick formation we get in the furrow from the gauge wheels and that type of thing yes and so and just to preface that just a little bit the planter we're hoping to use does have hydraulic downforce typically it's automatic but we're going to try to put it on manual and then that way we can control a flat rated pressure across all the that whole length and what are some other, we talked about some other targets of opportunities to maybe check some stuff in season and do different things or? Right, you know, as every year prevents its own challenges. And so as we see things arise this year in 2021, hopefully we'll be able to come up with some ideas that we yes. can do last minute for kind of more of a just in time uh, demonstration of what's going on in the field to show you guys. Um, but you know, there's other things we can do that I've seen in the past where we could take different herbicides and try to show you injury, what happens if we make an off-label application, demonstrate potentially what surfactants can do to corn plants yes. and demonstrate why we remove those from fungicide applications. And, that, and, and the surfactant thing would be primarily around that silk time frame. Is yes, where, where right as the ear shoot's starting to merge from the, okay, just ahead of a VTR1 time frame. Yes, and um, one thing I'm gonna mention is the frost yeah, injury that, thing. Nice I, I don't know how to do it 100%. I've talked about a blow, like a torch, like a weed burner. But I'm going to say out here is that if there's anybody listening that has an old freezer, <laughs> I had an idea of trying to use an old freezer <laughs> and, and see if we can do some frost simulations with that by cutting the bottom out of it and, and parking it over there for the night. But um, if I ever could come up with an old unit somewhere that still cools, but it's too old for you and don't want it anymore, I would love that. I think another thing is we talk about the targets of opportunity uh -huh. is if 
anybody out here has something they'd like us to do absolutely just that they're interested in let us know yep. you know we still have time here to plan that absolutely so. i'm always interested in that and especially when what's really uh, the most inspiring is when you can take something like we can do here as a project and it's very interesting but when you can actually go and and say well that won't work actually out in real life in the field or this will or this is kind of this is probably the better way to manage that risk that's really enthusing right because it, it's really something that's what we're trying to do is on a small scale is torture our plants so that they don't have to do it, it on a broad scale. It doesn't cost us anything. It's just something we can <laughs> right. demo and see how it works. It's, it's cringeworthy, but at least it's not hard on the pocketbook at this point. Yeah. So. Anyway, is there anything else, uh, Scott, as we go forward in 2021 that you has come to mind or any thoughts? You know, I, I'm, I'm not really thinking of much else right at the moment, but I guess if anybody, like I said, has ever any kind of questions or anything they'd like to know about, just you know, make sure to let us know and we'll see what we can do to uh, try to help you out. Okay, that sounds good, Scott. I thank you so much for coming. Um, your well, thank you, Wendell. Absolutely, and your your uh, timeliness last year at different times. Even sometimes we jump on a phone call and do this and send this out. Um, it seemed like it was it was so timely. We were able to get things out a lot faster last year, and our hope is this year is we can do this and try to do this in a way that it can get quicker. And sometimes the the wording and everything in this, even in this one here, I tend to butcher it up and it may not be 100% perfect, but my goal is at least if the information is good and at the core, and then we can get it out in a timely manner because those things are the most important, even if it's not professionally done. Exactly. But anyway, thank you everyone for listening. Um, Scott, thank you again. Thank you, sir. Up until next time. We hope you enjoyed Agronomy Moment. Please subscribe and give us a five-star review. This really does help us. Find us on our website or on your favorite podcast listening app. My favorites are Pod, Apple Podcasts and Podbean. Sounds like Beanpod just turned around. It should be noted that all copyright content in this podcast has been acquired through special permissions and licensing from the proper artists. We just ask that you share the links to this podcast on all the broadcasting platforms that we are found. Feel free to reach out anytime with questions, feedback, or any concerns you might have. This is a production of Top Ag Media. Wendell Cohen was a producer and your show host. Scott Dickey and our team at Bex Hybrids contributed to this podcast. Cheers to you, all of you. Until next time. <laughs>